Who's Bekistan? Where's Bekistan? Why's Bekistan? How's Bekistan? Bekistan, who's Bekistan? What's going good and what's going bad? And she's live from Tashkent, Uzbekistan, in the heart of Central Asia. Dun dun dum! Episode four. Who's Bekistan? Okay. What am I excited about? What am I puzzled by? And how long do I plan to stay? What am I excited about? Um, I am extremely grateful and celebrating. Um, I've, I've been very satisfied with my personal life recently. And, or social life, I guess is a better word for it. And I know that that will not always be the case and it will ebb and flow. But for right now, I would like to uh, rejoice and embrace that my calendar has been flowing in a pretty good manner. And what it's really been filled with is a variety of multicultural experiences. So um, a couple weeks ago, I saw the play Underground Girls. It's about the women of Afghanistan. Uh, let me tell you something. It is not a feel-good, not a feel-good move uh, play. Uh, it was performed in Russian with English subtitles, of which I had never seen a play with subtitles. I had seen operas that have super titles, but that's kind of different because of how operas are laid out that are sort of inherently, you know, repetitive with like arias and things. And, you know, that this was all like word for word dialogue translation which could be very overwhelming to follow at some times. Um, it was extremely sad. Um, I may burst out in tears even talking about it. But, um, but yeah, sort of followed, followed the lives of women, you know, from birth, um, uh, from, you know, birth through their life. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just, but something I wouldn't have gotten to do otherwise in any other setting. So... That was one really interesting multicultural experience recently. Um, I went to a big Diwali celebration um, hosted by the women's group I'm a part of. And uh, we looked at the Indian saris and we had a nice meal. And um, yeah, so that was that was neat. But then, but, but more to the point of just who I socialize with. So... I played badminton some recently. Love playing badminton. Played it in China um, with Chinese people. Um, play it in Tashkent with primarily an Indian friend of mine, but also other locals and a Moroccan. Um, Friday night, went out to eat dinner with an Indian couple that I'm friends with. And, yeah, had a, at the Chinese restaurant, we had a good meal and a good conversation. And then Saturday, I finally got to see some proper live music, an original band. They are ethnically Russian, but the husband and wife kind of core of the band lived in the States for a long time. So they write songs that are in Russian and in English. Very poppy, rock, kind of Katy Perry-like, uh, you know, something different than I would see in the States. But nevertheless, but but a but a band and live original music like I would see in the states, but from you know some, you know 
Russians who lived in Los Angeles. So, yeah, so that's kind of very multicultural there. And whom I was in attendance with at the event, I was there with a Russian friend of mine, but ran into an Afghan I know, a Safa I know, otherwise known as South African, uh, a British guy, a Tatar Russian guy, who else? I think the owner of the cafe is Russian Uzbek. So, yeah, I mean, it was just this smorgasbord of cultures that I was there with. Um, the singer in the band realized that most people who were there spoke English, so um, she, she did most of the performance in, in English in terms of her speaking. And she noted that, like, she's more used to performing in English, so there's things that don't translate well into Russian, like, come on, let's go, okay, put your hands together, okay, you know, that kind of interjections that, you know, she's normally used to making in English while she's singing, so that was interesting. Uh, today, I was supposed to jam with a British guy. Uh, he was ill and has had to cancel, but I, I've gotten a last-minute invitation. I'm very surprised. A Canadian is actually who invited me that there's a new local expat bar and they have a jam on Sunday afternoon. So I've never been before, but I'm, I'm going to go. I don't quite know what to expect. But, um, but if you were just listening and counting the number of cultures that I just referenced through this little anecdote, you can see, you know, got a lot of Indians, Moroccans, British, South African. Uh, no Turks were mentioned in this anecdote, but, but lots of Turkish people here. So just having these very enriching multicultural experiences, I appreciate tremendously. Um, you might could read between the lines of what I didn't say. Okay, moving along. Um, I would not say, I don't know if I would call this puzzled by, maybe I would call this I have some new awareness about so, I'm a part of an international women's group here, and, you know, 95% of the women in the organization are married with children, and they're here with their husband's job, and they don't work, okay? The first time I went to a meeting last year, like, literally every other person asked me, where does my husband work, and where do my children go to school? And I regret to report that if, as I have continued with this organization, I have found myself asking those type of questions to women there also because I don't have other good conversation starters, and that is 95% of who is in the organization. But in my real life, I don't really like that to be the opening dialogue, you know, about marital status and child status. So... One of my best friends from the group is an, an Indian couple that I had dinner with Friday night. And they, I guess they're probably in their 50s. But, you know, at some point she shared that, you know, that they were not able to have children. And, you know, my feeling was probably that was upsetting when she was younger. But now at this stage of life, they've kind of made peace with it, decided to live internationally, and just decided to do other stuff. And then similarly, I found myself asking a woman from Indonesia, you know, kind of her life circumstance, and she's particularly quiet and conservative. It's a little awkward to talk with her anyway, 
But but then she said, she said, no, they don't have children. You know, they've been trying for five, they've been praying and trying for five, for five years. And they, you know, they really want a child. So uh, that tied in also with someone I had worked with here previously who was a local Uzbek woman. I think she had been married about five years and you know, we're trying to have a child, and then last year became pregnant, and the pregnancy did not last, and, you know, you can see she's, you know, devastated over it, and then she shared that it it it, it creates problems at home with her mother-in-law, because locals live with their mother-in-law. They live with their husband's family, and so between these three scenarios, the Indian in her 50s, the Indonesian I don't know, maybe like her mid-30s, and then the Uzbek woman, I guess kind of in her early mid-30s, that, you know, in these very, very traditional, very, very conservative traditional cultures, you know, someone like voluntarily deciding not to have children or not get married, you know, that's like, I'm going to say virtually unheard of, and... And the the pressure that must go along with that and the disappointment and the societal pressures that go along with that. And I don't know so much about the three people that I just mentioned, but in general, in the developing world, a lot of myths, you know, about, you know, getting pregnant and assuming that's like the woman's fault. And, And I believe that came up in the play from Afghanistan that, you know, if she didn't have a boy, that was her fault, and, you know, all of this misinformation, and that that's really just a terrible burden, you know, for these women and their partners to have, and, you know, that's just kind of a perspective I had not considered until recently in that way, and then someone also, I discussed this with someone here, and you know, that, not ex- not the same, but, you know, but what kind of plays more out in the developing world is more like, you know, people who were able to have children easily and then other people who have struggled and, you know, some of the guilt that goes along with that if that's your, you know, friend and family member. So, um, so yeah, I mean, these are just complicated matters with a lot of you know, just a lot of a lot of baggage that goes along, and a lot of emotional drama that goes along with it, and it just makes me very, very grateful that I don't have children. I didn't want to have children. I don't have children. I'm grateful I don't have children, and no one ever thought a second thing about it. Um, I'm certainly not self-conscious about it in the states. Sometimes in an international setting. I used to not be self-conscious about it. Occasionally, it's crossed my mind. I'm like, oh, like, do they think there's something wrong with me because I'm not married without children? And, you know, then I just kind of try to explain to them that in the culture that I'm from, that's a perfectly reasonable option for women to choose for themselves. So, anyway, so that's that's what was revealed this week. How long will I plan to stay? Oh, um, definitely running into some realities with my school that um, it is a good job. It is a good job. It's a good, it's a good career opportunity for me, and I hope to keep it rolling. But it is a job, 
and nothing is perfect. And, I, you know, there are, you know, inevitable challenges that come with that, as I spoke about last time of some details about my contract that are still a very sore subject. And then now I'm getting into dealing with some instructional dilemmas as assignments have been due and I've reported to people for academic misconduct for submitting assignments that there is no way they wrote and the AI detector didn't pick it up but I know these two people and there is no way they wrote a flawless document. Um, I'm off topic but the, the point being it is a job and that and that does mean challenges and um, difficult situations to navigate but, you know, like I said, still a, a very good opportunity and a good job. So, as I'm rolling toward the end of this semester, hoping that preparations get underway soon for second semester, under which I am wrought with curiosity to learn what I will be teaching. Here we are, coming up on the midpoint of year three. So, excited about these good uh, intercultural social opportunities I've had. Got some concerning thoughts about the childbearing process. And excited to be looking ahead toward next semester. So, whoever you are, wherever you are listening to Uzbekistan, I'm glad you're listening. And I will look forward to giving you a report next time from what is happening in the heart of Central Asia.